More than you do. <laughs> oh, I don't have the man bun anymore. So sorry, David. Uh, bring it back, really? <laughs> if, it, if it makes me happy. I did have some people really upset that I cut it off, but I think far more people happy that I cut that thing off. Do you like You don't like it? Yeah. There's one thing my wife likes less, though, than long hair and a man bun is change. So whenever I totally cut it off, she's like, w you look like a different person. I don't know if I like that or not. <laughs> oh. All right, so, yeah, I, was, I set in uh, a little bit on what Greg was talking about this morning. I, I think I shared this last week, but I spend all morning continuing to prep for my sermons is why I wasn't here and haven't, I probably won't be here much on the Sunday school. I think it's amazing and everyone should come, but I'm not just sitting at home chilling or whatever. Uh, I'm working on my message. <clears throat> um, it is eerie, in a good way, how similar what he's been sharing is uh, what's on his heart and God's pot is put on his heart and my heart together and uh, even what David shared this morning. That was really spot on to what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, so we're going to be continuing to talk about what it means that God's kingdom has been brought near to us but now begin to get pretty practical and actually kind of narrow down. And today, the title of my sermon is Unclean. How about that, huh? I'm really, really excited about it. And really, we're going to talk about the reality, the challenge that I think that we have inside the church of, and I'm talking about the church as a whole, about us kind of getting into our holy huddles our safe zones, and we're unsure what to do and mostly unwilling to go be around people, as David shared, who are different than us. Like, we don't know. What do we do? Um, I do want to remind us, you were reminded in Sunday school, that the message that folks like Jesus and John the Baptist came preaching was not a message of your sins can be forgiven so that you can go to heaven uh, that's not, I mean, there's truth in that. <laughs> there's truth in, well, heaven's coming to us. Anyways, God's kingdom's going to reign here, but it's a, it's a part of a much bigger picture that they had this message that said, repent for God's kingdom. Like, just, I just want us to slow down and just think about that again. Repent for God's kingdom has been brought near to us. And I didn't talk much about repentance uh, last week, but that means to literally change the way you think and act. It doesn't mean to go, I'm sorry, God, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that, right? Like we do as children and still do as adults to God. I'm sorry, but we really don't want to change. We're just kind of sorry for what we did. He was telling the people of Israel, God's chosen people, you're going to have to make some changes in your lives and as a nation because God's kingdom is actually being brought near. And so I ask myself through this whole process, personally, corporately, what changes do we need to make? <laughs> because there's a reality that God's kingdom has been brought near to man. God, is there some things that I have I failed to participate in your mission? Is there things that I'm here that I've got to change my way I think, and I've got to change the way I act? Because this is a hugely important message. <laughs> the most important message, right? 
So they taught the kingdom of God has come near. And then the question is, as we go through this kind of series, step by step, what does that practically mean for us? And how do we participate in this idea that God's bringing his kingdom near, which we said last week is his rule and his reign. He's bringing healing to what's been broken, right? In the garden, what happened? We had a lot of brokenness that took place. We had things like sickness entering the world. What do we see Jesus doing when the kingdom of heaven comes near? Him actually healing people, bringing renewal. And you and I are agents and participants in that renewal, ambassadors for this kingdom, bringing the renewal forward onto earth, which what was Jesus' prayer? What was his prayer? What does it say? Your kingdom what? Come on earth as it is in heaven. Let the reign and rule of the king be brought forth on earth and we get we get to, we have to, <laughs> we get to, I hope, is our hearts participate. And, and that's just, I know it's, it's just so easy to say these things, but not really slow down and let it just hit you. <laughs> that God, Jesus is on his throne, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and his rule is being released through men and women like us who submit ourselves to his rule, declaring, not just singing, you're our king, like bowing down and saying, you are our king. We believe your rule is the best way to live. We believe your rule is the only right rule. (laughs) And we choose to participate and live our lives under that rule and invite others to participate in yielding their lives to that rule that brings healing, it brings restoration, it brings all kinds of beautiful things, right? And so when we do, we have the shed out there and we were gonna do the yard thing. Y'all, sorry that we didn't do it yesterday. We talked, it was, it was an ugly day, right? It was nasty. As much as we want to say, yes, let's do it, we thought, man, there's probably going to be a lot more people show up if it's a little bit prettier of a day. Plus, thankfully for me, I practiced my ice cream and it was mediocre at best. So, uh, I don't know. Judah gave it a four out of five. My wife was like, eh. I asked her, well, what would you change? She said, it's just not that good. I'm just like, I need you to be a little more specific as Andy uh, Bernard would say, that movie is bad. He said, that food is bad. Sorry, if you're office person, Jerry put an office clip up there, so I thought I was allowed to maybe say something about that. <laughs> but what does it mean that it's being brought near and how do we participate? Next slide. So the thing I really want to talk about today, and we're going to get here in a second to Matthew chapter 8, but we're going to go one place before that. <clears throat> is this idea, as I mentioned earlier, this problem in the church that if we are going to participate in God's mission of renewal, we have got to get out of our holy, clean bubble that we put ourselves into and learn how to engage in who Jesus engaged with. And we've done it. I mean, as much as as we would say, no, I don't think we have, I don't think we have. I mean, y'all, we create, and all of this isn't bad. It's not all bad, but we have Christian schools, we have Christian basketball, we have Christian football, we have Christian this, we have Christian that, and it's because we're going to get there. We don't want to be contaminated. We, you know, I'm going to tell you something that's maybe bold, maybe some people will get frustrated with. I don't care if a teacher teaches my student, my kids, something that is against the word. I teach them the word and I live it out. They will see the truth. The kingdom is bigger than I'm so scared of the world, it's going to taint my kids. I'm just being real. I know that's hard, but like that's, that's, I'm not afraid of that. Um, I'm more excited about what 
the difference they could make in the world than I am worried about the world changing them. That's part of what we're going to talk about today. I know that's, the, that's hard, but uh, yeah. And so that's the challenge that we have. And I think that every one of us have areas in our minds, places, people, people groups that are kind of unclean to us, whether we, act, we think we do or not. I'm like, I'm going through all kinds of thinking through this. And if we, again, want to engage with who Jesus engaged with, we, should, we have to recognize those walls that we have built up before we can do anything about them, right? It's arrogant of us to go, well, I don't have any of that. Right? It's, 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 it's not true. Um, yeah, so let's go to the next slide, please. Oh, no. That did a poor job of that red color coming through. <laughs> It'll be just like, guess what it says. Hey, Larissa, since you know the Bible so well, I'm going to let you fill in the blanks, Okay. I know, sorry. Me and she's good. We're good. Last week I started in Matthew chapter 4. And when we go to Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is tempted by the enemy and he releases that message of repent, change, the kingdom of God is at hand. In Luke, it's a little different. In Luke, he has the temptation experience and then Luke records this actually happening right after, which I think is beautiful and amazing because it's details into what does it mean that the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's more information about it. I'm going to read, if you want to go there, I'm going to read Luke 3, 14, oh, 4, 14, sorry. Uh, and then we'll, it'll, this will show up in, I think, verse 18. <clears throat> but it says, then Jesus, again, contextually, he just was tempted by the enemy. The devil departs, finishes every test. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, this was his hometown, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. Can you imagine, just imagine being there in the synagogue? This kid you've seen grow up gets up here and stands up, pulls, gets a scroll. He's not a kid anymore. <clears throat> he stood up to read, and the, sc the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolls the scroll, so he opens up his Bible. And found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So imagine him turning to Isaiah 61, reading this little section. He closes his Bible. It says he scrolled gives it back to the attendant, sits down, and eyes were fixed on him. So he goes and he closes his Bible and he sits down. Everyone's looking at him. He goes, today this was fulfilled. This scripture is fulfilled. They didn't super like that. Uh, I don't know if many of us would be like, are you serious? <laughs> You're the, a carpenter's son, you know, like we've seen you grow up. That's a huge statement, you know, that you're making right there. Usually I would go back and actually read Isaiah in this. Th there's some really good stuff. Hey, who was that? Kyle? Uh, Jonah. Way to go, Jonah. 
How about that? Ah, nice color choice. I like that. Um, I would usually go back and read all that. You should, because there's a lot more good stuff in that passage. But today, we're going to focus on Matthew 8, so I'm just going to read through this really quick, fairly quick. But Jesus, the kingdom of God coming near, here we see that he has been uh, filled. The Spirit of God has come upon him, and he has a mission. There's something that that means. It doesn't just mean, I'm saved. Jesus doesn't say, the Spirit of God has come upon me so that I can go be with the Father. He says, the Spirit of God, the Lord, is upon me because he has anointed me. He's smeared me with oil to proclaim good news to who? <laughs> right? He sent me to proclaim freedom to who? Prisoners. Recovery of sight for who? Blind. To set what types of people free? Oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Whether we realize it or not, <laughs> these are often precisely the people we want to be away from. Like, that make us uncomfortable. Like, going and being around people who are poverty-stricken, who are struggling day in and day out, psychologically kind of messes with us. <laughs> it reminds us that that could be us. <laughs> It reminds us that the world's still broken. See, we like to take someone who submits their life under, under Jesus' rule, bring them into the church where everything is just kind of safe and it goes pretty well in general, right? And yet, we don't know how to engage with people that are broken. Look at Ryan, he's over here getting it done. This guy was serving communion and all kinds of stuff. I love it. What does it mean that he said he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners? Think, think of all the different types of people who have been imprisoned with all kinds of things. Addiction problems. The actual prison, all this. It's hard to be around sometimes these types of people because it's uncomfortable and I don't know what to do. Recovery is sight to the blind. Man, some of us have a difficulty being around sick people. Why? It, like, psychologically reminds us <laughs> that, wow, we're fragile. We're mortal. I mean, anyone love going to the hospital? I don't <laughs> yeah, you do? Man, Nathan, that's, yeah, I don't. I mean, I, yes, that's right. I mean, as I, as I studied through this, the Lord reminded me of that. For me in particular, I hate hospitals. Like, I hate going in there. And, like, I'll go if someone needs prayer or wants to hang out, and I'll go spend time with them. But good night. I can't wait to get out. Like, <laughs> uh, that's something in my mind, right? That's, but the, thing, the question is not do we have some of these struggles or challenges. Really, what do we do with them? Do I let that prevent me from going? Do I let it prevent me from going into these places? That's what I'm saying. We all have these, these things in our minds. We don't really know, most of us, what it's like to really be oppressed, <laughs> But there is oppression that's taking place in the world. I mean, there's governments that oppress people. Could you imagine because you're, you know, a certain uh, ring in society or a certain race or certain whatever that you're being oppressed for no, that's it. There's no reason why you should be. It's, it's evil. There's oppression that comes from the enemy. There's all kinds of oppression. We are agents to release. And so instead 
of having our Christian bubble, Jesus actually is teaching us where to actually to go to these types of people, right? And like in the church, I've, I've recognized for a number of years what, we, what we'll do, and we oftentimes will have, you know, we'll donate money to a ministry that does something. We need people to do that. Like that's important. We are a body. Everyone can't do everything. But oftentimes we'll do that or we'll have a ministry to the poor and maybe there'll be a couple point people, but I would rather be kind of safe and I would rather just kind of do my thing here and then I'll pray for you or I'll give some donations or I'll do some things. Jesus is saying that if we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God has come upon us to go to the brokenness in this world and to bring renewal to it. So if we have in our minds anything that's preventing us from doing that, we need to prayerfully go after it <laughs> and say, I know I have an issue here, Lord, I, I, let's go. We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to bring healing to these places in our minds. Go to the next slide, which leads us to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, where we'll start. <clears throat> Contextually, Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Spends Matthew 5, 6, and 7, basically saying this is what it looks like. Uh, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Fast, and when you fast, don't be seen by others. Stop trying to look good. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. You know, uh, be careful what your eyes see. Stop worrying so much. Like these, these, bringing these realities of what it means to live under his kingdom rule he ends, this is a semi-sidestep, but I think it's so important, by saying, everyone who hears what I've been saying and does, it, and does it, you've built your life, you've built your house on a foundation that's solid, it's a rock. But those who hear and don't, it's like your house is on a sand, is on sand. He's talking to the people of Israel. It would be like him standing in front of going, just, see, we believe that because we go to church, we did our duty. Jesus would basically be like saying, hey, you went to church, you heard words from me, if you just do nothing with it, your life is built on sand. If you do something with it, <laughs> it's built on the rock. So some of us who may feel like our life's kind of uh, on the sand, I would recommend, well, go through Matthew 5, 6, 7. Start going, how can I do and live this out so I can hear these words and actually live them out? He teaches this amazing message, probably fairly lengthy, and then in verse one of chapter eight says, when Jesus had come down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Uh, number one, I wouldn't like that. If you've, anyone's ever preached or taught in front of a big group of people, it wears you out. Anybody? If it, if it doesn't to some of you, you have a special gift from the Lord. I love people, but when I'm done with this, I like to have my lunch with some friends and go home and take a nap. I wouldn't be super excited if I taught this big message and great crowds continued to follow. I'd be like, good Lord, please, Father, can I have some me time? All these crowds are still following me. Next slide, please. On top of that, as he's coming down, <clears throat> there was a leper who came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you choose, make me clean. Not only do you have the big crowds, but now this leper comes and, and falls down and saying, please, Make me clean. He is unclean. And the thing is, is so often you can read the story and you hear, you know, the word leper, but it doesn't really hit you that this was a word that was used for a number of viral skin diseases that were nasty. <laughs> like, it could dismember you. 
like depending on what disease it was. Like we don't know this guy could have had half a nose coming up to Jesus at this point. I'm sure he came up to Jesus and there was stuff oozing on his skin. I'm trying not to be gross, but to actually put, any number of us would probably be like, ugh, I don't think so. <laughs> like that's the last thing that we want to do. I'm, when it came to COVID, we got to experience this idea, this virus, and what do many of us do, and some of us are still, we wear masks, right? Because we know, hey, if someone comes and starts coughing in my face, ah, there's a good chance I'm going to get COVID. So smartly decide not to do that. Imagine being in their culture where this is their thing. This guy has leprosy if he touches you. So wisely, in truth, oh, bro, hey, hold up a second. Because I could my skin could begin to rot and to fall off if you touch me and it gets on me. I get the virus. It's nasty. (sighs) I wonder what the crowds thought when they saw that. I guarantee they're like, get me away from this dude and probably very intrigued as to what Jesus might do. And Jesus doesn't in this scenario go, hold up, wait, oh, I I can't do anything here. See, whenever we look in the Old Testament, there's a lot about cleanliness and uncleanliness and the way that we're supposed to, uh, the Israelites were supposed to go to the priest, which Jesus is going to have, the things to stay away from, the things to, you know, um, that are pure and, and the types of food that are, and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of laws around that. And as I've said before, that was good. Paul says that. Listen, like, the law was a tutor to bring Israel until it began to reach maturity. But something has changed. At this point, even Jesus hasn't even died and resurrected, which is hugely important. But one big thing that has changed is God's spirits come upon Jesus. Joel prophesied that God's spirit would come and indwell man. Jeremiah prophesied that the law was going to be written on our hearts. Like, this is, this is transformative. And so something's changed here. It's changed for you and me as well. And it has allowed us to be agents of renewal because of it. It's huge. <laughs> Spirit dwelling us, Jesus dying, Jesus resurrection, resurrecting, huge things. These people weren't wrong for looking at this guy going, whoa, I don't need to touch him. That was, they weren't supposed to. But Jesus is showing something is dramatically changing now. I'm a part of a renewal that's taking place that things are really, really changing. And so... I actually started reading a book that Greg recommended from Richard Beck, who was the winter Christian guy, which I love that term. Uh, And the book's called Unclean. And it talks about us and our psychology and of uncleanliness and different things like that. And so I thought I would bring a few examples to this to help us maybe understand the way we think, the way we act. Um, And hopefully God can bring some healing and renewal where there needs to be in our lives when it comes to this. Then we'll finish this little section here. There are three experiments that I'm going to bring up that he did. Uh, Or one thing that he mentioned and then two experiments. Imagine you go to a restaurant and order, I I figure I'll just say steak and potatoes because we're in America, right? Most people will say, I'll eat a steak and tater, and that's pretty good. Probably, yeah. You order this steak and potatoes, what kind of steak do you want? Medium well, medium what type of steak? What type of meat? Angus beef fillet. I think a bone-in ribeye would be my, my go-to, maybe. 
tenderloin. There you go. Hey, there's some. I like a prime rib too. Actually, sometimes I'm in the mood for a little. Mm -hmm. That's probably what I'd go with uh, bone in ribeye, which I don't get because they're like fifty or sixty bucks every time. I, if I want to go get one, that's all right. You know, sometime occasionally. Imagine you order that, and when it comes out, the waiter or waitress hands you your food, and there's a giant hair that's on top. See? There's this term that psychologists use, which is very practical. It's called our disgust reflex. And we see that hair. What is everyone in, us, everyone in here doing unless we're just too, you know, some people are afraid to tell their waitresses, oh, I don't need to do something. We're saying... Take this back. <laughs> I want a new plate of food. And unless you're at like some dive where the waiter or waitress doesn't care, they're probably going to go, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Let me go and let me get you a new plate. Now, what are the chances that that hair could actually hurt you even if you ingested it? None, right? If you remove the hair, there's like no chance. It's just a hair. But yet our disgust reflex comes up, and in our culture, in our society, we say the whole thing is contaminated now because there was a hair on it. We can't touch it. We refuse, right? We refuse to eat it. We're going to get, we're gonna get hopefully, maybe you're starting to think through where we're going with some of this. Uh, experiment happened. Well, this one was, this is a little gross, but it's, it's, uh, this is talking about our disgust reflex, okay? So I'm trying to be as tactful as possible. There's worse ones that I could have mentioned. Uh, they took, I think, orange juice or lemonade. I think it was orange juice and dropped a roach in it. Stirred it up. Remove the roach. See, if I talk about this, I really get y'all's attention. I just need to talk about more gross stuff. And anyone in here would drink it, even if, if they wrote, I mean, there's no way, right? I'm not, not touching it. It's, 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 well, they took it through, I think, six cycles of advanced filtration to where there is no chance that there's any contaminants from the roach and set it in front of people. You think a lot of people drank it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Very few people were willing. They're, rationally, whatever, you know that there's no chance that can hurt you. I, look, I've, I've, Pat's about to leave. Sorry, Pat. Rationally, I'm done with the gross stuff. Rationally, you're thinking there is no way. I mean, there's nothing that can hurt me. There's nothing that can hurt me with the hair. There's nothing that can hurt me there. And yet, psychologically, you're freaking out because you're like, there's, it's contaminated. I can't touch it. And interestingly enough, and actually our disgust reflex is not a bad thing. It can prevent us from eating things that are bad for us, right? Same thing like, we're talking about with like sicknesses, like fear is not a bad thing. There's healthy fear. Like if I had no fear, I could just walk across a cliff and just fall right in, right? Like there's health, like there's a healthy aspect. There's a healthy aspect to this. That's why God gives it to us. But we can allow it to take over. Now we can translate that into societal norms and it follows the same thing. It kind of goes into this idea of I go and someone gives their life to the Lord. We bring them into this clean, safe zone area so that they can't go out there and get contaminated. Because out there is contamination. Has anyone experienced that? I remember in my early 20s, like, kind of going through this kind of holiness thing. I didn't drink alcohol, all this stuff. Remember that, babe? She probably doesn't remember. It was for several years. I would argue with my dad about things and stuff he was right about and I was wrong about. 
That doesn't ever happen. But I remember in that like time, if I would go and be around people who were doing what I deemed as sinful things, I felt like I was like icky. Anyone ever felt like that? It's, oh man, it's like I'm doing it. Like they're grubbing off on me and I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting there, right? We have that and most of us have some of that in us, (laughs) depending on where it's at in what scenario that we know that them doing their act or whatever is not hurting us. Now it can be, but if it's not uh, one that doesn't hurt us, that it's, that it's not hurting us, but we feel like it's getting on us. And so what we do is we, whether we realize or not, want to stay as far away from that as possible, right? So that could be with, Jesus says, I came to give good news to the poor. Maybe we don't want to be poor. We don't want to be in poverty. And so we don't realize it, but we're trying to stay as far away from that as possible. We don't realize it. I don't think, but we do, and then that wall prevents us from doing precisely what the kingdom's called us to go do, is to engage those types of people. We're uncomfortable. We haven't done it. We don't know what to do. Sometimes we know we should, but we're like, oh, I don't know. They're scary. They're people. But we're like, I don't know. I guess to some of us, people are scary. But the more you're around people, the less you realize that they're scary. There are a few scary ones. David Brangeberg is one. I had to get him. He got me earlier. <laughs> not really, though. I love David. Um, but we realize that they're not so scary, that we realize the hair is not really going to hurt us, even if we ingest it, right? But that's there, y'all. I, I've shared this story, I think, a couple of times, but I'll share it again in case you haven't heard it. I remember being at a journey home, uh, or in our house church, would go and we would feed meals, and we, there was like this, if you've ever been in there, y'all, most of y'all, a lot of y'all probably been there, there's a little, little bar here where you get food and you put food on the plates and there's someone who came and she was in her 30s and was putting food on the plates, would set it on top of the thing, me and whomever would grab it and we'd go pass it out, <clears throat> go and sit down and eat and uh, enjoy having times with our friends. But she was in the middle of it, walked out. And I'm like... She like texted me, I think it was she texted me and said, John, I'm so sorry, can we talk? And I'm like, did someone, I'm like, I'm scared, right? <laughs> did someone hurt you? Did someone say something uncomfortable to you? What's going on? Like, and she said, I feel so ashamed right now. And I was, she's like, I don't know how to be around these types of people. Um, and I'm like, my reflexes, they're people, but I understand what she's saying. She said, she had grown up in such a, holy like Christian bubble, Christian school, all these things, that when she engaged in people who are in broken situations that were trying to get uh, healed from um, poverty or different things like that, or just need a meal, that she freaked out. And it just, it was that whole, it's going to get on me contamination <laughs> type thing. And what amplified it being bad was she was crying going, Jesus would be right here with these people and I can't because I'm so, you know, so stupid. And I said, well, you're growing, at least you're trying. And I encouraged her, and she came back. Uh, I don't know if she ever felt super comfortable with it. But there's a reality that there's a lot of people that us church folks, God is calling to engage, that if we don't understand and we don't participate in that and begin to do it, we're missing out on God's mission being fulfilled on earth. We've got to get over it. 
Like we've got to, we've got to, we've got to face it head on. I'm not saying it's easy. Those disgust reflexes are like in us, man. It's tough, right? But we've got to be able to do that. The last experiment that I'll share that he did was, I think it was a sweater. So imagine uh, one of your friends comes to you and gives, brings a sweater, and it's a pretty cute sweater or handsome sweater. I don't know. Whatever. And it's not been washed in a long time and, and says to you, you, know, you want this sweater? Do you? And you're thinking, yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. I'll take, give it a wash or whatever. But then they did an experiment where they said, well, this was Hitler's sweater. And no one wanted to touch it with a 10-foot pole, understandably so, right? Like, but the idea is that evil, evil can jump on you and that it actually is more powerful than good psychologically to us. And we allow that to come into the church to where, like, if something bad is going on, like this, like, rationally we would go, I mean, I'm not, nothing's going to happen if I put this sweater on. I don't care if the most evil person had it on. Like, it's just a sweater. But psychologically, we're going, oh, my gosh, I can't do this because we feel guilty and wrong, like something wrong. Like, I cannot wear this because of that. This evil is going to get on me. No matter how filled with the spirit we are, (laughs) no matter how part of the kingdom we are, we still have this idea, oftentimes, that evil overpowers good. That wherever we go into darkness, that the darkness is going to get on us rather than we might actually affect the darkness. And so to Jesus, back to Matthew 8, chapter 3, verse 3, <clears throat> when the guy says, falls before him and says, Lord, if you choose to make me clean, he doesn't say, you're contaminated, I can't touch you, I'm worried. <clears throat> he says, he stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I do choose be made clean. I can't imagine what that moment was like for this man, nor can I imagine what the moment was like for the crowds. The, <gasps> and then the, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's healed. And then Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. He told him to follow what the rules were at that time. Offer the gift to Moses, as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. See, when Jesus shows up on the scene, he shows that filled with the Spirit, the, this God's rule breaking through means that good overpowers evil. And church, we've got to recognize that. It doesn't mean we be stupid, all right? It doesn't mean that if you've struggled with alcoholism, you go into a bar by yourself and say, good overpowers evil, and I'm good, you know? We put it... But it, it does, we do have to recognize that God is wanting us to be agents into dark places and us to bring the reality of his rule into these places, and we can't if we don't go there because we're scared they're going to get us. We're scared that type of people is going to contaminate us. And it's more than just, you know, uh, to the poor, to the oppressed. Or, like, there's these barriers in us, guys. There are people that if they knew you voted Republican one time or Democrat one time, you're contaminated. They don't even want to talk to you. I know these people. We're like, I'm that, I can't believe they voted for that person. And if we have that in our minds, how can we be agents of renewal to those people when we've already built up a wall that says, uh-uh? Or maybe it's rich people, right? How can we ever be an agent of renewal to people? We're like, oh, I can't believe they drive that and they have that. And No, we're disgusted by their lifestyle and we can't participate. We can't bring healing because we're so disgusted by it. 
I'm not saying that we participate in sin and the evil that they're doing. I'm saying, no, we actually bring the rule of heaven to them. They hear it with our voice. They see it in our actions and go, wow, there's something different. That's interesting. And we bring light into darkness. And we do it as a people. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us to do, is what he's been calling us to do. There's lepers that, have un- that are unclean, that have challenges all around us that you and I can participate in their healing and in their renewal. The last story I'll tell, and then we'll be done, was from uh, Fitch's book that we're reading on Wednesday night called Faithful Presence. Even though we didn't really didn't get to talk about it because there's only three of us there on Wednesday. Jeez. But I'm guilty of not showing up every Wednesday too, and I know there's a lot of things going on. <clears throat> but I was thankful that I read this chapter and it talked about the soup kitchen that a group wanted to, it was a church, I think, that wanted to open a soup kitchen. And they opened it like any of us probably would open it, right? You open it up. You've got, like I mentioned with Journey Home, you've got your bar, you feed your food. And I've seen it whenever I've brought new groups to Journey Home. Everyone just kind of stands back and stands behind the bar. We don't know what to do with those people, right? They're different than us. You, you see that? Larissa's is laughing because, you know, it's like, what do I do, you know? Like, they're people. Grab a pizza and sit down and have a conversation, <laughs> you know. But when we haven't done it before, we don't know. Oh, we freeze up. We don't know what to do. Well, they chose to, after some time, ask these folks, what could we do better or different? Surprisingly, they had some responses with things like, can we bring food? Like, we have food stamps. We can go to the grocery store and we can get it. Like, literally what they said. Uh can we eat with you? Like all these, and what happened was over time, it went from a us versus you, oh my gosh, who are these people? Can they contaminate me? To a friend meal <laughs> where they all got together and recognized we're all just people and we're all just human. And they became friends. And I think that's a type of mission Jesus wants us to participate in. So I'll ask us as I pray to have a moment of reflection for us to go, Holy Spirit, please reveal to us areas in our lives, corporately, individually, where we have built these, these walls, or there's people groups or people that have that reflex in us or fears of contamination or different things like that. Holy Spirit, just please bring those, reveal that to us because we recognize, Lord, Lord, we recognize that, that you're on a mission that you have a kingdom that needs to be brought near and that those types of things prevent us from participating in that, Lord. <clears throat> and Lord, we, I, I genuinely believe we here at Stones River want to be agents of change, that we want to bring good news to the poor, that we want to bring healing to those who are physically broken, to those who are mentally broken, relationally broken, that we want to see reconciliation happen between people and people groups, that we want to see people who are oppressed set free. And so, Lord, reveal to us any areas that are stopping, any mountains before us, any walls that we've built up. And as we recognize those, Lord, help us, even though it may be hard, even though it may be painful for us, to see those broken down. Uh, I thank you for giving us your spirit and the power to do that. A million thank yous for giving us your spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling us. Thank you for giving us the power from God to be able to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.